The following message was recorded at Effective Life Church during our Sunday service. For more information about the church and to access a growing library of sermons and testimonies, be sure to visit our website at www.effectivelifechurch.org. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens your faith in Jesus. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you that yeah, your immutability, you are the same, you never change. Although we live in a, a fast-changing world, although things are changing around us, I know that your Holy Spirit is saying, keep your peace, keep your peace, keep your peace. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your peace that transcends all understanding. Yes, in these times we shouldn't have a peace in many ways, but your peace transcends all understanding. So I ask for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your way this morning. We pray for revelation. We pray for inspiration. Lord, as we look into your word, may we know you better in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, lead and guide us. Touch every heart. Amen. Amen. Well, Jesus is the same to, uh, yesterday, today and forever. And, uh, you know, that is such a fantastic rock and anchor to me to know that Jesus is the same. Because he never changes, I can face change. Because he never changes, I can live in a world that is always changing around me. Because my feet are on the rock. I know my God is the same yesterday, today and forever. Though ten may fall at my right hand, ten thousand at my left, God remains the same. Isn't that wonderful? What encouragement for us. And, uh, you know, we're living in a fast-changing world. And that's what we're looking at today. The world we live in and change. The change that is around us doesn't have to change us. Okay? Now, the change that is around us can make us feel incredibly insecure, full of anxiety, not knowing what's going to happen, all these different things. But when you remember that we serve a God who is unchanging, that brings stability. This might be happening, that might be happening, but God remains the same. And he is sovereign. He is in control of all things. Hallelujah. So, we live in a world that is fast-paced and changing quicker than ever before. Technology is out of date. By the time you can afford it, you see a gadget, and I love gadgets, guilty as charged. By the time you can afford that gadget, it is actually out of date. By the time you buy something, uh, you, you buy the latest thing when it comes out in your local store, they are already inventing the third or fourth generation of the first one that you've just bought. And we think that we're there, that we're up to date. It is fast changing. Technology is out of date before most people can even afford it. Uh, everything's changing in life so fast. I mean, it always has done, but there is a speeding up and a quickening, I would say, probably from about 1990, there's been a real quickening again and then I think obviously with COVID and what's happening there the whole world has changed we, we do live in a different world because of it and uh, it's hard to keep up with it and it can cause a lot of anxiety even the way we shop 
you know, modern day shopping, uh, self-service checkouts. I mean, the first time I saw a self-service checkout, I thought this is mad. Everyone's just going to nick everything and walk out of the shop, you know. It's just really weird. Could you imagine that years ago being in Tesco's and you'd, you'd be scanning your own items? You'd be like, never, that's not going to happen. When we shop through eBay and uh, websites and Amazon and stuff like that, you know, I think nowadays, you know, not maybe in food, but in terms of most other project, uh, products other than maybe clothing, we buy so much online. We're buying stuff without even seeing the product. And it took me a long time. I'm a bit of a fossil. It took me a long time. I'm untrusting. I'm like, I'm not buying anything off of somebody I can't see. I want to see that thing. I want to touch it. I want to make sure it's real. I'm not putting my money into cyberspace. And I think it was only last year or the year before was the first time I, not my wife, I actually bought something online myself. And so the way that we, we do things, and this is fueled by companies' greed to keep us in a consumer-driven market that we're constantly shelling out, they are constantly changing things with their products. You know, and some of it is really frustrating because you buy a product and you think, great, I've got this product, I'll buy, I'll buy an extra phone charger and I'll buy a, a dock thing and da-da-da-da, <clears throat> and that's it, great. But then when you buy them, they've changed a little tiny thing, which means your phone's not compatible with the latest dock. And to be able to use the latest docking system, you've got to buy a new phone because it's actually got a different connector. And it is really frustrating and we're on a treadmill of forever having to buy things to cause them to interact and match and so on and so forth. And it is driven, fueled by a greed mentality in the world and a craving for technology. And sometimes it's driven in us with pride. We want the latest thing, we want the latest gadget just because you want to show off or just because your neighbour's got it. Or sometimes you're like me, I just love toys. Boys and their toys, men and their toys. I'm naughty, I will admit it. And sometimes uh, we live in a society where we don't replace, uh, we don't mend, we simply replace. You know, years ago I can remember my mother teaching me to sew. My mum taught me to sew patches on clothes, uh, to darn my socks. This is really bad. She taught me to knit. You know, knitting. My mother, I could actually knit. I wasn't very good at it. The only thing I could knit were scarves, anything which had a straight line. But years ago, even at, at school, I'm not that old, but even at school you had home economics, where, where you would go and do cookery and sewing and craft and these things. Because it wasn't a replace-it generation, okay? It was amend it. It was a restore-it generation. You couldn't just throw things away. I don't like that colour T-shirt anymore. I'll replace it. You know, things were a necessity. Things that are now uh, a throw-away mentality, back in the day, they were a necessity. You had what was called your Sunday best, your best clothes, 
which were you weren't allowed to wear the rest of the week. You only wore them on Sunday because you were to look prim and proper to go to church with your family. But now we don't we don't mend anything. We just replace it. I'm the same. I don't mend things. I just replace them. And we just live in this fast-paced, consumer-driven society that drives everybody into debt at the end of the day. Christmas meant nowadays. I mean, the, the vast amount spent on Christmas. You know, we've lost the whole meaning, you know, where, what is the meaning? It's just gone. It's just become a consumer-driven. But rather, it's just a point in time to celebrate the birth of Christ. Now, we know Jesus wasn't born on 25th of December. It was probably more uh, March or April. But it's just a time that we can stop and celebrate. But do you know what? I've often said, why should the world, non-Christians, celebrate Christmas when they don't even believe in Jesus? Why should they have two weeks holiday? Why should they have a box of roses? Why should they have presents? Why should they do this, that and the other? They don't believe in Jesus. So they shouldn't be celebrating his birthday. Make them all go to work. That's what I say. Us Christians, we share that time off. That's our holiday. I'll leave that for another time. As we get older, we become less willing to welcome change. And it's just true. As you get older, you get a bit frustrated, things keep changing. By the time you've worked it out and got, well, I've, I've nailed this, I've got it, they're going to change the way you've got to do it. They're like, no, stop, keep changing it. It worked okay. And, and you know, it must be really hard for the older generation to live in this society where, you know, even to see your doctor, you've got to register online, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You, you know, nothing is, and, and this is all done to make things less complicated, but yet in the human spirit, it kind of feels more complicated. And I also think this is a ploy of Satan, as in to keep humanity isolated. God created humans for a relationship with himself and a relationship with each other. Man, or God to man, and man to man, that's the cross. God to man, and then man to man, that's the cross. But modern day life, especially with COVID-19, is causing us to be more and more isolated. You don't need to shop. You don't need to do this. You can study online. You can get all your shopping online. You pay all your bills online. You don't go to the local grocery store anymore. And because of COVID-19, we're not socialising. A man is becoming more and more and more isolated and an island rather than made for community with one another. And we've got to be very careful. We're becoming self-sufficient, almost like demigods. And some people may say it's really important to be self-sufficient. It's not. Not biblically. We're called to support one another, lean on one another, encourage one another, serve one another, teach one another, one another, one another, one another. And it's all the one another's. Love one another. But yet we're living in a society where social interaction is being absolutely crushed. Now, I understand some reasons why, but we've also got to understand the bigger picture in all of this. So life is changing so fast and it's really, really tough. It's really tough. Consider this. Over, uh, just 25 years ago, these words did not exist. Ready? Blog. 
blog. That word did not exist. And that is uh, a, to regularly update a website page that is written in an informal, conversational style about different topics or events. So a blog. Selfie didn't exist. A photo that is taken of oneself, typically taken on a smartphone or webcam and then shared on social media. A selfie didn't exist. Googling didn't exist. Searching for information about something or someone using the internet's uh, search engine Google. The word Google didn't exist or Googling. A, 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 a staycation, a staycation. Well, the word didn't exist, and that means a holiday spent in one's home country rather than going abroad. One spent at home, and it involved day trips to local attractions. Well, the word didn't exist, but certainly in my life, that did exist. We didn't go on holidays when we were kids. We didn't have a holiday. Oh. The first holiday I actually had was my honeymoon. And that was the first holiday because we were a poor family and my, my parents didn't do holidays. Occasionally we might go down to the local sewage works, not really. We would go down to All Hallows or a day at Margate in the summer or something like that. But we didn't have holidays. But now because of what is happening around the world, this is changing. Paywall on websites, a paywall, this is on a website and it's to arrange access to re, uh, restricted users who pay to have a subscription to get to certain parts of the site. Here's one for you, bromance, bromance, do you know what bromance is? A close but non-sexual relationship between two men, it's called bromance, why do they invent these things? In scripture, it's just simply called brotherhood. We're brothers. So society's changing and we're learning new words and we're, we're having to adapt. We are caught in a society that you can't actually live the way you want to live. You've got to live the way society dictates to you that you have to live. People feel less secure about the future now than ever before. People think about the future and they think, well, I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know if I'm going to have a job. I don't know if there'll be a pandemic. I don't know uh, how things are going to be. People fall out of friendship so quick. You might not have the same people in your life in a year's time that you have right now. It's a fast-changing world. When I was a boy, I used to imagine the future. When I was a kid, I used to love imagining the future. But nowadays, it's very hard to. With so many threats to the way we live, society's completely changed. Years ago, you imagined growing up one day, working in an environment, having children, and uh, you know maybe working in a career or buying a house and living in a particular area or something like that. You had goals and ambitions, but yet society is pulling the rug even from that. And instead of being free to be the way we want to live, we're dictated to by circumstance. Nowadays, it's hard to imagine the way we want to live with so many threats. You don't know what the world's going to be like tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. Climate change, plastic in the oceans, 
global pandemic, you don't know what you can eat and what you can't eat. One minute we can eat an egg, the next minute you shouldn't eat an egg. One minute, five years ago, fish was the healthiest thing on the planet. Eat fish, eat fish. Nowadays, all the fish are filled up with microplastics because of what's happening in the ocean. And they say, well, if you eat too much fish, you've got too much microplastics in your body. It's crazy. Humanity wasn't designed to cope with such change and pressure. Even with the rising cost of daily living, it costs so much just to be alive now. Even when you think you get your salary, well, you pay tax on your salary, maybe 20, 25% if you're a higher earner, 40 or 60% of what you actually earn, you don't get, okay? But let's go for the lower income. To, you get 75% of your income, 25 goes to tax. From that 75%, you pay road tax in t on top. You then pay VAT on everything you buy. That's another 17% tax. You then pay council tax to live in the house and the area that you live in. That's another massive percentage. You know, you look at all these different taxes that in actual fact, the money in your pocket from 100% of what you earn dwindles right down to probably something like 30, 35% of actual spending power because the rest of it is all taxed. And then if you're a believer, you want to honour God with your finances as well. It, do you see the world that we live in? More and more couples today are considering not having children simply for two reasons. One, they can't afford it. And two, they're becoming selfish and they don't want children because they want that holiday, they want that car, they want that house and they can't do everything. So do you know what? They say, well, let's drop having the children. And society pushes that. There's enough people in the world anyway. Why bring another one in? There's enough people in the world. Why would you want to have children in this day and age and bring them into a world like it is? Now, I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom. I'm just sharing the pressure of society and the pressure of change. Just a few years ago, England uh, paid off all its debts from World War II. Okay, World War II that took place, what, 1939, 1944? We only finished paying the bill for the cost of World War II in, in keeping England free as a country and liberating Europe, we paid it off, I think it was five years ago. Our taxes paid that off, that debt, just five years ago. And then Europe treat us like a bunch of monks sometimes, I must say that, and they forget what this great nation has done. And they didn't contribute to help us pay that off. We paid it off and we weren't even born. And it's right that we paid it off to honour those who gave their lives for us. And so it was wonderful to be set free from that debt. But now because of current recession of what's going on globally with the pandemic, they're saying we're in greater debt than we have ever been. The recession is going to hit bigger than any recession for over 300 years. And we live in this fear mentality, this pressured society, society full of change. 
Change is happening whether we like it or not. Change is happening. Now, there is some change that we can embrace. It's good change, some change. Movement in uh, medicine, uh, slavery being abolished more and more, uh, equal rights in certain areas, you know, it, it's great. But a lot of change is not so good. And sadly, it seems like more change is not so good than good. But change is happening, and you might sit here and be a person and say, well, I don't look change, I'm not going to change and put your stab your feet into the ground and say, no, that's not it. But you know what? You are moving and you are changing all the time. Did you know that we are sitting or living or walking on a planet that is rotating on its axis at 1,000 miles an hour? Do you realise that right now, it's no good saying you've never been anywhere because right now you are travelling at a rate of 1,000 miles an hour. That's how fast the Earth is spinning. And if you stop moving at that rate, you're going to have a mega problem, okay? Because that helps cause the gravitational pull on the Earth. Keep your feet on the ground. But 1,000 miles an hour, the Earth is rotating. While the Earth is rotating at 1,000 miles an hour, it is in our solar system with our planets and our star, uh, uh, sun and our moon, and it is rotating at a thousand miles an hour within this solar system, but this solar system is moving around at 124 miles per second. Okay, the Earth is moving at a thousand miles an hour, whilst inside of the solar system, the solar system is moving at 124,000 miles per second. Wow, incredible. That's 444,000 miles an hour the solar system is moving and the Earth is spinning at 1,000 miles an hour within that. And it is all moving within the universe of which we know very little. And you can think, wow, there's no, you don't feel safe, we're not out of control. Do you know what? God has set a boundary on the universe. The length, the breadth and depth, and God is God knows everything. And scripture said he sits on the axis of the earth. Wow, that's our God. Not spinning out of control, it's spinning perfectly as God wanted it. Along with all these changes come choices. We are being we are having choices thrown upon us that in many ways don't even consider us. They're nothing to do with us. But we are having to choose time and time again about different things. Look at young people today. Young people's heads are being filled with so many choices and options. You can be this, you can do that, you can do this, you can do that. And most of which they don't care about and don't want the choices over. But because of equality and equal rights and so on and so forth, it's being thrust upon them. You have the right to be this, that and the other. You have the right to be so on and so forth. You have the right to be this. Yeah, but I don't want to do that. Yes, but you must know you have the right to do that. And it's all become about an ever-changing world and all the rights that you have. And they're being thrust upon our children, even when they're in schools, and they don't even understand what these rights involve. For example, it was widely accepted 
from the creation of the earth that there were two genders, a male and a female. That is what God created. That's the creative order in all species, whether it's cat, elephant, wow, mammal. Generally, there were just two genders. Now people, children, are being told of the endless amount of genders they can have. And we have separated gender from biological sex. The biological sex that you were born with is now separate to your gender. Because you, you can't choose your biological sex, but you can choose your gender. So I could turn around and say, well, I now identify my gender as a woman. And because I identify my gender as a woman, that gives me all the rights of a woman and you can't oppose me. And I want to go into a woman's toilet, I want to wear a woman's clothes. Do you know what? If people do that, I love these people. I don't have a problem with them. I do not agree with this at all. But the individual, do you know what? You've got free will. That's your choice. But it's not what God intended. It, scripture says every two to its own kind. And we're in a dangerous place when we step out of the creative order of God because when you step out of the creative order of God, it becomes an abomination when you begin to move outside the creative order of God. You know, so many people nowadays, they identify themselves as something different. Or we just have to accept it. You know, children are going to school and it's so confusing because... Sharon, who was here last term, or Lisa, this term is Frank or Bob. How confusing is that? And for many, many of these children, it's an option that they're given, and they're sat down and told, well, you can be straight, you can be lesbian, you can be gay, you can be bigender, you can be transgender, you can be whatever you want to be. So I can sit here today and say, do you know what, I, I, I identify myself as a door. And it's my right to identify myself as a door. And therefore, you should treat me as if I am a door until I change my mind to three weeks time and I identify myself as a cactus. And it's my right to identify. Well, you can identify yourself as whatever you want, but the facts remain what you are. They're the facts. And the government is spending millions of pounds on people going to doctors and saying, well, I identify myself as a dog now. They want to be treated as a dog. It is madness. It is pollution of humanity. It is insanity. And that's what we're driving people to. We have lost the moral code in society and it is unhealthy. That's why there is so much confusion. And everybody this day and age uh, on their behaviour, I'm not saying those who are genuine, but everyone's got an ism. It's just classed as an ism. Now, bad behaviour is just bad behaviour. When I was a kid, I didn't have an ism. I was just a brat. I was naughty. It was not excused with an ism. Now, I know some people do, and I'm not talking about that, which is genuine. I'm talking about how changes come in. Can you imagine my nan? I think of my nan and my granddad. And if I was to tell them about all these changes, they'd turn around and say, you're having a laugh. The world gone mad. What are you talking about? That never happened. And we've been thrust all these choices on our children. And it's awful. You know, it's, I've seen a sketch and it sees two comedians and this guy says, you know, to the kids, listen, you are the robot. And you can fly. You can literally fly if you want. 
and these kids go out and they're doing it and get run over and die. Because it's not the reality. Just because you want to be something does not mean you are. I would love to be a millionaire and have no debt. But just because I want that doesn't mean that I am. We are now living outside of truth. The genuine truth. And mankind is moving into fictional truth. Because everything is changing. We have become demigods and we make up the rules as we go along. But we have to remember we are created beings who are subject to creator. And that creator is coming back and humanity will be judged. And I tell you, cling to Jesus Christ. Cling to Jesus Christ. Despite the reality of the world changing around us, we as believers can have peace and confidence in the truth of the word of God and Jesus himself who is never changing. Jesus does not have to be upgraded. He was perfect in the first place. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? God doesn't need an upgrade. You cannot upgrade God. It's impossible. He's perfect in every way. You can't upgrade him. Isn't that wonderful? That's the God that we serve. What stability? He will not change because there's nothing to change him to. He's perfect in every way. He can't become more loving because he is perfect love. He can't become more justice because he is perfect justice. He can't become more righteousness. He can't become more holiness. He can't become more fairness. He can't have more grace because he's perfect in all of his ways. And there's the rock in this mad, crazy world that we live in. He does not change. And because he does not change, do you know what? I can change because he doesn't change. I can cope with change because he doesn't change. I look at all the changes around me and then I have to stop and say, do you know what? I can deal with that because I serve a God who's of the bigger picture. And he is my rock and he is my anchor and he is my fortress. And on him I can stand. Yea, though everything is moving, I get it. I can see the bigger picture with society because my God does not change and his plans will come forth. Unlike the world, Jesus doesn't chase after perfection because he is complete in all of his ways. You know, some people I saw on Facebook and they showed this uh, famous actors and actresses who had had a... Uh, plastic surgery and you see the constant change in their faces and so on and so forth and they're unrecognisable and they're driven the, the drive is perfection and not to get old do you know what for the believer this is not your eternal state this is your avatar your body is just an avatar that moves you around and one day you will have a new heavenly body body that will not corrode, will not get old will not get damaged will not have disease it will be perfect so save your money on your uh, on trying to keep this one upgraded. You're going to get an upgraded one anyway from Jesus. Now, in all these changes, you can lose. You can kind of feel like you're losing your feet and become very insecure and think, "Well, what will the world be like? What is going to happen?" So many people losing their jobs, and it's just such instability. But Hebrews 13 verse 8, Hebrews 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. 
Hallelujah. Yesterday, today, and forever. And we're called to live as if he died yesterday, rose today, and is coming back tomorrow. The theological term typically associated with this verse is Jesus' immutable nature. Immutable means unchanging over time. Just does not change. He is the same. He will always be the same. He always was and he always will, will be. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He was there before time and he'll be there at the end of time because time is simply a graft, a space for humanity to live in that has been placed into eternity. Eternity has no beginning and no end. Time has a beginning and an end. But because God loved us, he birthed us in this concept called time. And we live in the parameters of time, but when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, we are moved eternally outside of time and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places because we become an eternal being. But Jesus does not change. His character doesn't change. It's not, it's not going to confuse you. He doesn't love you one day and not the next. His love is constant and we're secure. Psalm 102 verse 25. Psalm 102 verse 25. In the beginning you laid the, nation, the foundations of the world and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish but you remain the same. They will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be discarded. But you remain the same and your years will never end. Hallelujah, that sums up what I've just said. See, the creator does not change, but the creation changes. The planet changes. The constellations change. Okay, the Orion, the round circle of the constellation of Orion is moving apart at hundreds of thousands of miles an hour and in something like 50 or 60 years it will not, you will not recognise it as that constellation anymore because it, uh, they're, they're moving. So things are changing. You know, you look at this world and a lot of people say we need to save it. Well, we need to treat it with honour, but you'll never save it because Scripture said it's going to wear out like a garment and it's going to be discarded. And Scripture says that he will create a new heavens and a new earth. Hallelujah. So, so this changing world is changing, but the Creator doesn't change. Isn't it wonderful? With some people, you don't know where you stand. Sometimes they're, they're okay with you. Another time you see them, they're a bit frosty. You don't know what's happened. And so you're always on your tiptoes with them. Will they be all right? Won't they be all right? What's going on? You don't know. And the relationship is very insecure. But with God, no matter what, you know how he's going to be with you. Whether you've sinned or whether you haven't sinned, it doesn't change how he feels about you. He doesn't love you less because of your behaviour. He didn't treat you differently. He treated sin and punished it at the cross. You can be secure. Yes, we try and walk without sin, but we can be secure in the relationship with God. James 1 verse 16. James 1 verse 16. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. I love that. 
Because a lot of the time people are deceived and they don't recognise it. And we've got to realise there's a lot of deception in the world and within the church sometimes. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes down from the Father of the heavenly light, who does not change like sifting shadows. He chooses to give us birth through the world, through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruit of all creation. Now this scripture always reminds me of great is thy faithfulness, because we sing, for there is no shadow of turning with thee. God is not as like a sifting shadow. It doesn't move. A shadow moves throughout the course of the day depending where the sun is. Because the object might stay still. But because the sun is moving, it casts a shadow in different areas. But the object is staying still. Our God does not move and cast a different shadow. You know exactly where he is. Hallelujah. Isn't it great? Sometimes I just love going to God when everything's a bit mad in the world and you, you kind of feel, Lord, I just stop. I want to get off. But I love going to God because of his immutability. It just doesn't change. It brings rest to your soul. It brings peace to your mind. Psalm 89 verse 1, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. My mouth will make your faithfulness known through generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Just to know the faithfulness of God, to know that his love stands firm. Know that God loves you. What happens in the world and your life does not and cannot change the love that God has for you. Never let anybody tell you that it can. That is a lie from the pit of hell. God's love is unchanging and his love is not dependent on you. Hallelujah. It's not dependent. My relationship with God is not dependent on me. It's dependent on his covenant with Jesus Christ. That includes me. Hallelujah. If it depended on me, guess what? I'd muck it up. If it depended on you, you would muck it up. It doesn't depend on us. Salvation is a work of God to man, not man to God. What grace. What wonderful grace. He loves us so much. He went ahead of time and saw all the mistakes you would make and he worked out a plan to deal with the repercussions of those mistakes that could separate you from him. And he formulated a plan with his son and he sent his son to be a bridge and an atoning sacrifice to cover all the mistakes that could have destroyed your relationship with God. Even when you were in rebellion, dead in your sin, haters of God, God went and sorted it all out. What love. Ah, oh, it's just, how do you get your head round the love of God? This is what makes Jehovah, Elohim, Father, different from any other religion. 
any other God. There is no God but our God. It's just reality. His love for his creation. All other religions, the, the, the divinity and the created depend on the created's behaviour and treatment of the divine. Ours it doesn't. It depends on God and his heart and he gives us the option and nothing can cancel it out. He said, I will sing of God's great love forever. You need to stop and think sometimes of God's great love. God's love is not based on our behaviour, that he loves us one minute. It's not a shifting wind, that one minute you're all right and then the next minute you're not and all these different things, it's secure. In this, in this world of constant change, this is where we find peace, Matthew 6.25, Matthew 6.25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink. Do not worry about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? Isn't the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, for they do not sow and then reap and then store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Wow. And this is Jesus talking about the great comfort of God. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. Do you know, it's the worrying about tomorrow that robs you of your joy in today. Let me say that again. It's your worrying about tomorrow that is robbing you of your joy in living today. It's your worrying about tomorrow that is robbing you of your joy in living today. What if, what if, what if? But Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and life abundant. That means so that you can live in the moment to the fullness because he's already got your tomorrow. And do you know what? If your tomorrow is not a great day, he's not abandoned you. He's with you in it. Hallelujah. What joy, what comfort, what grace, what love. God's purposes never change. Hebrews 6 verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful? It's a full, foolproof plan. It cannot fail because it's not dependent on anybody else. God said, well, there's, there's nobody I can base this on. There's nobody I can put my oath to. I'm going to have to place it on me because there's nothing greater than me. Saying, surely I will bless you and give you many descendants. And so far, waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by somebody greater than themselves. The oath confirms what he said and he puts an end to all arguments. But God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs what were promised. And he confirmed it with an oath. Wonderful. The unchanging nature of his promise. It's unchanging. That's the nature of God. It's unchanging. It's immutable and it's indisputable. 
is immutable and therefore indisputable. Wow. God did this by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. We have fled to take hold of this hope set before us as many being greatly encouraged. We have this hope which is an anchor for our soul and a firm and secure, firm and secure. So as the world is changing and everything's going on and you watch the news and you don't know what's happening from one day to the next, everything's being tossed around and blown with the wind on a sea of change. But in all this stuff that's happening, there's little old me, there's little old you in our little old boat with an anchor that goes down right into the bedrock that is Christ Jesus and the promises of the word of God. And yea, though everything is changing and people are threatening, for us, my brothers and sisters, we can be secure. We can have peace in the storm. Why? Because we have an anchor. Hallelujah. Oh, what glory, what joy. There is no panic. You watch all these films uh, about the end of the world and meteorites wiping everybody out or nuclear bombs or this, that and the other. And never does it faze me because you know what? I'm going to be with the Lord. He's got me in his hand. He's got you in his hand. And Jesus said, I'll not lose anyone that's been placed into my hand. I know the sheep of my pasture. I know who they are. Oh, hallelujah. And if you worry about scripture where it says, hey, flee from me, I never knew you. It's because you never had salvation. He never knew you. Otherwise, he would have had to say, I did know you. Or I've rejected you. Or you've lost your salvation. Or they, but he didn't say that. He said, flee from me, I never knew you. He said, I know the ones God gave me. Oh, hallelujah, what security. We're not living in fear. We're in without all these different things with a lack of confidence in our God. We have confidence in the immutability, indisputability of God himself, who is the anchor while everything else is in a sea of change. Hallelujah. Wow. Two unchangeable things in God's promise is his promise and his oath. It is impossible for God to lie in these two things. If you are not trusting in the promise and the oath of God, which he swore to upkeep himself on himself, then that is called perjury. It is perjury against God himself. The word perjury means the offence of willingly telling an untruth or bringing misinterpretation under an oath. You've took an oath, you've sworn on the Bible or whatever in a court of law, and now because you've lied under that, you've committed perjury. And for us to treat God differently as he is unfaithful, unfaithful to us or would abandon us is perjury itself. You are calling the creator a liar and you are, calling, you are bringing perjury into the courtroom of God. Yea, though, let that not be us. This, of course, goes against the very nature of God. Therefore, our hope is bountifully secured and completely reliable. When we don't believe God, we have to be careful what we're accusing him of. Just make sure it was God who said it, 
we said that last week. Make sure the promise that you've got, you're pregnant with promise, make sure it was God. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man. He is not a human that he should lie or a human being that he should change his mind. But does he not speak and then act? Does he not promise and then fulfill? Hallelujah. It stirs your faith. It stirs our faith. It removes us from doubt and fear and timidity. And we can be bold in our generation. Psalm 145 verse 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generation. The Lord is trustworthy in all his promises and his faithfulness in every way. And his faithfulness in all he does. Hallelujah. Oh, I just love it. Doesn't it stir your faith? Don't you feel faith rising inside of you? Don't you see yourself held by him? Not only is God himself immutable, but he is eternal. So it's not like he's going to change at some point in the future. His immutability is coupled with his eternity. With him being an eternal being. Hallelujah. Romans 11.29 For God's gifts and call are irrevocable. Hallelujah. God's gift and call is irrevocable. Irrevocable. Oh, I love it. He's not going to scribble it out. He's not going to change it. It's not dependent on you. Hallelujah. His promise is dependent on him. Whether you receive it can depend on your behaviour. But his promise is dependent on him. Sometimes our behaviour, our emotions, our mind, and the view that others have of us can lead us to feel that we are no longer worthy of the promises of God or the call of God on our lives. And I've seen that, I've, I've experienced that. I've had doubts of the call of God on my life because of my own humanity, but also because of other people, because of the things they've said and the way they've treated me. And I've realised I've based some of my call on what other people think or say. But the call of God is irrevocable. So you can sit there saying, God will never use this person. God will never pick them up again. God will never... Do you know what? You just moved into perjury. You calling God a liar. You're bigger than God himself. Man alive. We have to be careful. Who are we to tell the creator what he can or cannot do? Be encouraged. Don't, your, don't allow your behaviour, your emotions, your mind or the view of others dictate what or is not the call of God on your life. Let's walk according to the calling. Let's be faithful with what God has given us. And if we are unfaithful, Scripture says he is faithful. What grace. But we can trust in the Lord. He'll provide for us. We cannot qualify ourselves through our behaviour. You can't sit there and say, I'm qualified to be used because of my behaviour. I'm qualified to do this or that, in, uh, for God to do this or that in my life, because I'm such a good egg. Here's a rotten egg over there, but I'm such a good egg. Otherwise it would be, 
and salvation of works. All dependent on your behaviour. God's favour is no longer favour. It is an earn. It is a wage that you receive. But that's not favour. That's something that you're worthy of. But we are unworthy. He makes us worthy through the grace. It is through grace that you have been saved. We cannot try to qualify ourselves. In actual fact, we realise that we are disqualified and unqualified. And we recognise the grace of God. If we could qualify ourselves, we could then disqualify ourselves. But because we cannot qualify ourselves, therefore we cannot disqualify ourselves. Hallelujah. I can't disqualify myself because I never qualified myself in the first place. And then I cannot disqualify myself because I did not qualify myself. You cannot disqualify yourself. Why? Because you were never qualified first time man, second or third. It is God's grace and love that qualified you and you accepted it. Hallelujah. Praise be to God alone for he qualifies us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's finished at the cross. You can't add to it. Jesus said, I've finished. And we're trying to add to it. He said, no, by the way, Frank, hello, yeah. I finished! Job done! He qualified us through the finished work of Christ. We are called to walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 1.22. First Peter chapter 1.22. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere love for one another. Okay, so then what's the proof of obedience to God? Love for one another. Love one another, therefore, deeply from the heart. Isn't that wonderful? Deeply, passionately. Not a casual Facebook friend who you never see or think about or hear until something. Love. Think about loving people. Think about blessing people. Think about the privilege you have of people in your lives, even those ones that annoy you and frustrate you, because don't forget, you annoy and frustrate them, okay? And think about, how can I show them my love? For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable seed. That's what's inside. Imperishable. It's not perishable one minute and then imperishable the next and then perishable again, then imperishable. It's imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. All people are like grass and all their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. The imperishable seed of God. I love it. When you think of the story of Jesus walking on water, Matthew 14, 22, you can look it up in your own time or read it and study it. And Jesus has just finished ministry and he sends his disciples out and they're out on the lake. And then later in the night, as the waves have got uh, tempest and, and there's a storm, Jesus turns up. And first, the first thing, there's a case of mistaken identity. The first thing he's doing is saying, oh, look, there's a ghost. <laughs> Do you know what they were saying, their expectation? 
Look, there's a ghost. Sometimes we can't see Jesus. We are identifying him wrongly. And sometimes we, we do it on purpose because it means we don't have to treat people the way we want to. So we change the situation and say, well, I can't, I can't fellowship with this person because they're this, that and the other. And you're manipulating the word of God. And it's a misidentification. And immediately they're terrified. Fear comes in, but he says, take courage. Take courage. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to the water. And Jesus says, come. Come, Peter. Then Peter got down from the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Notice that Jesus didn't really rebuke him. He was teaching him. He was saying, look, if your faith was bigger, if you trusted me more, you wouldn't have sunk. So in this changing world, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Remember that conference you went to and you were crying and there was snot and you had such a revelation of Jesus and you just loved him so much and it was the best thing in the world? It's still the same. Why don't you feel like that now? Because you're living in circumstance, you're not living in the word. You're not walking in the spirit, you're walking according to the flesh. That's why you're on, always on a roller coaster of, it's fantastic, I'm so close to God, to he's so many miles away from me the next minute. It's roller coaster Christianity, but it's not a, it's walking with Jesus ain't a white knuckled fairground ride. There's stability in the storm. Why did you doubt? Notice Jesus doesn't reject him and say, well, you doubted I'm the son of God. You sort your own problem out and let go of his hand and move away and say, that a teaching. Didn't do that. He loved Peter. Peter had a future. Peter, in that moment of doubt, did not disqualify himself from the future. Yet, by his action, he wasn't trusting Jesus Christ, who not only can walk on the water, but Colossians says he holds all things together. That all things were made for him, through him and by him and for his glory. Walking on Walker was nothing. And yet Peter through his action almost accuses Jesus of not being who he is. But it didn't disqualify him because the love and plan that Jesus had for Peter was always that he was going to be the rock and nothing was going to change it and Peter couldn't disqualify himself for it because it was a genuine prophetic word not after this mumbo jumbo prophetic nonsense fortune telling that is out there today time and time and time again God protect us from false prophets let us receive prophecy as real. Let it be tested and let it be proven to be right and glory be given to you. Hallelujah. Ah, oh, then Jesus climbed into the boat and the wind died down. Absolutely wonderful. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Hebrews 12 verse 1. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares. Let us run our race with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The people are running around trying to perfect the faith which has already been perfected. Amen? Stop working to try and perfect the faith. Start enjoying the faith that Jesus has already perfected. Start living in the perfected faith of Jesus Christ. It says, let us throw off every hindrance. So there will be hindrances. Let us throw off every sin that so easily entangles us. So we will sin and things will entangle us. Entangle means to hinder, to hinder us. That's what sin does. It doesn't disqualify you, but it hinders you. It becomes like a weight. You can't serve God to the full while you've got a bad load of sin. That sin can't drag you to hell, but it can certainly hinder you and prevent you from running the race that God wants you to run. And I've done that. I've had sin in my life that has hindered me from serving God the way I should have served God at the time. And it's hindered what I should have been doing. And I've had to discard that way. And scripture says the man who says I am without sin is a liar. We need to be careful. In closing, in this ever-changing world, let us not forget where we stand. It is in Christ Jesus. Scripture says that we have been seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Let us shake off the fear of change. Let us face this changing world with confidence. Let us not compromise the moral standings of God. Let us stand up for the king and his kingdom. And the anxieties that cause us to worry in the future, let us remember tomorrow has enough worries and enough troubles of its own. But fix our eyes on Jesus, who is immutable, unchanging. Isn't it wonderful? When you put the news on this week, guess what? Be secure in Christ Jesus. He's got it all in his hand. There are some awful things that are heading our way. Scripture has already told us. Don't be surprised. It is sad to see what's happening in the world. But nothing takes me by surprise. Rather, let's pray. Let's pray for people's salvation. Let's pray for people to be in health in their walk with God. Let's pray to uphold one another. Let's choose to believe the best in one another. Let's serve and equip one another that the world might know him because of the way that we love one another. Let's be reconciled so God can get the glory. Let Jesus shine through us. Let's pin our hope not on things that are changing left, right and centre, but on he who laid the foundations of the world. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you will equip us to face this world without fear, without trepidation, that we will be bold as a lion, not with arrogance, but Father, we will be peacemakers, that Lord, that as we operate in this world, 
with all what's going on, people will see the peace of God in us, the glory and the joy of God shining through us in your precious name. Don't forget, 6th of September, Effective Life Church here in Gravesend. We'll be meeting again half past 10. Please don't be late. Half past 10. We'll be meeting again. Come along for all you members of the church. It's going to be great to see everybody. For all you guys who God, God has destined for you to be with us. Then we receive you with love and joy in Jesus' name. God bless you. Take care. Have a great week.